Hello, everyone. Today, I had the chance to speak with Anj from Rivet. Rivet is an AI community management platform that allows creators to easily activate their followers and channel them toward monetization opportunities. Rivet was founded at MIT in 2020 and has won a number of competitions, including the Creative Arts Competition and Compete in Techstars Boston. I'm joined here today with Kevin. Hey, everyone. Thanks, Kevin. And we recorded at the Boston Podcast Network, Pod 617. If you want to reach out or create your own podcast, reach out to Dave and check him out on the website. Hello, everyone. My name is Justin Dorado, and welcome to Hey Founded, a show dedicated to providing young entrepreneurs with practical insights into creating and growing their startup or project. We feature Boston's premier entrepreneurs and founders to share the nitty-gritty details of how they began and grew their venture. This podcast is intended for any individual interested in learning more about startups, entrepreneurship, or growing their venture. Whether you have never thought about business before or have already built a team and raised funding for your venture, there's something here for everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the show, Ange. How's it going? It's going well. It's good to see you guys. Thank you for coming on. Um, why don't you just tell everyone a little bit about your business? Yeah, so I grew up in Lagos, Nigeria, in a family of artists. I'm a musician myself. Um, right when I was putting out my second album, just saw that what I was doing to engage people that had come to a show, bought something from me in the past, which is very manual, distributed, and community building is pretty hard. So I got so frustrated that I took time not making as much music and focusing on trying to solve the problem first for myself and then talk to a bunch of artists, over 200, just to figure out how they were solving that problem for themselves. And through iterations, what we ended up with was Rivet today. So that's kind of how we got started. Nice. And do you mind just telling us what Rivet today is? Yeah, so we're calling it a HubSpot for artists and content creators, essentially an AI-driven CRM platform or community management platform, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And it's to enable these artists and content creators be more like small businesses. So be able to see, say, if a fan is about to churn, be able to take steps to re-engage them, but also be able to lean more into their top fans with exclusives, offers, discounts, and do that in an intelligent way without having to understand how CRMs or marketing tech works. Nice. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that this would be an incredibly helpful application for a lot of musicians. Do you mind just telling us a little bit about your users today? That's I was hoping to just talk to you about your customers, um, the stakeholders of your business, and how you've talked to them over the years while building this application. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the users on the platform right now are artists or content creators. We started with musicians that are in the sweet spot of having 10,000 to 400,000 people in their audience size, so kind of in the mid-size. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's like pretty much it. There's nothing much else. So how, how many users do you have today? Uh, so right now we have about 1,200 of those artists on the platform and uh, managing their communities on the platform. So that's been pretty exciting. Right. And I guess just another question is how long, so you have that many users today, how many did you talk to when you were first building the app? And what was that process of interviewing and really understanding your needs before you ever started building product? Yeah, before we started building anything, we talked to over 200 of those types of artists. And the process was a little all over the place, but it 
it allowed us to talk to a lot of people. And I think because it coincided with the pandemic, it allowed us to, it just opened us to a lot more artists than, than we would have otherwise been able to talk to because we could just get on the phone really quickly and didn't have to travel anywhere or go visit people. So we would reach out on places like TikTok, on SoundCloud, on Instagram, Twitter, a lot of things cold. Some were through people that I'd worked with before just telling their friends to talk to me, but a lot of it cold and just figuring out where the watering holes for those people were, what they would read, the types of forms that they would be on, and just sending messages and trying to see what would get them to hop on the phone, and I would say for 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. and that would typically be the first step. And then in those calls, I would have a script that we can get more into, but go through the script, tell them that Mm -hmm. I'm just doing some research, trying to figure out, how people are doing certain things and i would just tell ask if it was okay if i could note certain things and i would just be typing away at my computer while asking them questions and typically when you reach out to someone cold like that they you ask for 15 minutes 20 minutes they they think it might be a little long but mm-hmm. we would get into the conversation they'd enjoy it and it'll end up being a lot longer so that was pretty much the process that we went through nice and I guess just follow on question was how important was that to do to do that entire interview process before building anything? Oh, it was it was it was, it was probably the, the most important thing because a lot of the people that were in that interview process were the first people whenever we had, say, not even products, say wireframes or just even drawings of what things could look like. Those were the first people giving feedback. When we did eventually have a product, those were the first people using it. Mm-hmm. And some of those people from that process are biggest evangelists today. So got to see the entire process from when there was nothing to us listening to them and, and solving a real problem for them. And now they'll, they'll tell their friends because they have that I guess, emotional investment in just that journey of the company and of the product. So that that was just the single most important thing, I would say. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. It's interesting because your users are not people that you can just go out into the street and just ask anyone. I, I know Kevin and I have been lucky enough to just be able to ask anyone about, honestly, the products that we've worked on in the past. And so I, I can imagine that was challenging in of itself. Uh, I'm kind of curious, you had to interview these users and then finally decide to build a product. How many users did you interview before, before saying, okay, let's go blitz mode, let's build it, let's find, let's, let's get this started. I think I would say at that point we were over a hundred and it wasn't really, let's go blitz mode, like stop talking to people and and let's build it. But it was more so we have a sense of what we can get more feedback with if we went and did something. So I know everyone talks a lot about MVPs. So I think closer to that where it was, okay, I think we understand enough with these like open-ended questions that we're asking and the script Mm -hmm. that now we could understand a little bit more if people could play with something or they could actually look and touch something. Well, it's it's a platform, but Mm -hmm. be able to give feedback that's rooted in something that's a little bit more concrete mm-hmm. so i think it was at that stage that we we thought we were at, at a point where that made sense so can you describe how you thought about the product before those 100 in- interviews and how you thought about it after what changed what were the assumptions that were challenged what made you go oh okay users are looking for something else 
Yeah, I'd say also, Anj, you're a creator and an artist yourself, so I'm sure going into it, you had your a lot of your own assumptions about, like, I would want this. So I'm wondering, like, yeah, just to tag on, how did speaking to other people transform that vision? So we went in wanting to do something that was, one, in, in music slash the creator space that had some feel about community building because that was the problem. But what we were most focused on early on was more analytics and more of an analytics tool and through those conversations we found that one people were confident in the analytics tools that they had and and felt like they had enough of them but also when you dug deeper they weren't actually even really using those analytics tools they just knew that they had them and they they would would know how to use them if they ever had a need but it wasn't a, a pinching need it wasn't anything that they particularly cared that much about so it needed to become something that was a little bit more of a prescriptive tool and something that also had more of a two-way relationship versus a lot of analytics tools is looking at what people are doing and then making a decision to do something based on that but something that facilitated more of a two-way interaction between them and their fans in a way that wasn't strenuous and didn't require them to spend a ton more time away from creative activities Mm -hmm. so that started to give a little bit of framing around how we might think about what the workflow is day to day so some of the questions in my script were what do you do when you wake up in the morning or how do you what do you do throughout a day how do you think about the things you need to accomplish so starting to think about how we would fit into their workflows with those constraints around them Mm -hmm. and that started to guide initial prototyping and the first things that we would show users to get feedback on Right. So it sounds like it was a pretty iterative process. Like the questions you were asking where you were even investigating were very different, I would say, midway through your 100 interviews than they were at the very beginning, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think the benefit of doing it that way, um, and there's this whole framework, PMR, primary market research, um, that basically we just stole from the, the 24 Steps book, where you just take these questions you ask them but you're always consistently looking back and seeing what basically synthesizing the feedback that you got and that was guiding okay if a lot of people are feeling this way about a certain thing maybe we can start the interview from here instead and then dig a little deeper around these certain points so once it started to get to some clarity around exactly what the biggest problem was okay how are they solving that problem now and you can get there faster in your interview and then beyond how are they solving it are there any tools involved and then you can start to get a little bit into what is the stack that people care about how do they think about what convenience that brings to them and what it would take for them to switch over and you start to get a little bit deeper faster and that was kind of how the interviews evolved to be more efficient and get to the root faster interesting do you uh mind telling us a little bit about when users are wrong when they would give you advice on your product or the problem or even the solution and you just had to kind of look the other way yeah i think users are wrong when they're telling you anything what we've learned the most from has been actions Mm -hmm. so if we're in a usability session and we can just watch you doing something, we learn a ton more from that than you us asking you how did you feel about this feature or what do you think we should do next. So that was always preferred, watching them versus asking them. And then also 
versus having questions that relate to features. It was we tried to have our questions be more about outcomes because whenever you have feature, or I think a lot of the times when you have feature-driven conversations with users, those can not be that useful. And I think your job as the product builder or the person on the other end is to try to get from whatever outcome they're trying to achieve into whatever feature you think makes sense and then have them test that and then see how they're responding to that. So typically we don't have now, we don't have any more. And we definitely at a point did and found that a lot of the times what would happen is you go make something and then you just look at the logs later, like people aren't using it or you ask them, oh, like, how do you feel about this thing? And they don't even know that you did that because it wasn't that important to them. They just said it because it sounded cool. And when it's an outcome-driven conversation and it's, okay, it's because I'm trying to do this thing, if now you're still trying to do that thing and the path to doing it and the product is different, it'll be clear what we did. And those made those conversations a lot more useful to us to iterate. Wait, so Andre, you're telling me that when you talk to users and you ask them what they wanted, what they said isn't really what they wanted? Is that yeah, sometimes what happens? What they wanted you to build. What they wanted to do a lot of the time would be correct and or like would be actually what they wanted to do but how they thought you would do that for them a lot of the time if that was even the way they wouldn't make use of it a lot of the time or they would use it a different way or they would just not care and that would be kind of annoying after you've gone to do exactly what someone asked you to do and they don't care so we started to focus more on okay now you're trying to do what and do you want to do that faster? Do you want to do that a certain way? And then we'll go do the work to figure out the best path to that. And then we'll start to have conversations about, can we make that better from a usability perspective or from mm-hmm. a UI perspective versus how would you like to see this? So more of like the what, not the how. Yeah. You got to ask them the what. So I got a question. So it sounds like this is a very iterative process and you have the benefit now of having product and asking them about what the what is and seeing how they actually go and execute it. How did you do this in a pre-product sense? Or was this maybe the reason that you had to go build product because you wanted to test it? Like, how, how were you doing it before? Yeah, in a pre-product sense, it's, it's walking people through wireframes. So we would just design out Figma, I think. Now they're doing really well. Um, Figma was, was key design out some stuff, some paths, some flows, and just have people like give us feedback on that on Zoom. Again, pandemic made all of that really easy. Yeah. And then before we built anything, those would just get, give us a sense of how does this look? Would you use it? And then very early on, we would just make pieces of it. So there were times when we would just quickly set up a page, but all the functionality would just be us kind of either hard coding or just actually doing on the back end just to uh, mimic whatever functionality was supposed to happen, see how that worked before we ended up starting to automate certain things and then start to build a little bit. So that was kind of how we progressed through this iterative process before we ever had a product. And then even when we had something that looked like a product but didn't work and then started to build something that was a very buggy product and to something that's still a buggy product now, but a lot less buggy and and the way that we just uh, iterate with with people to continue to make sure that when they step in, they feel like um, the, the experience is improving and we're kind of learning from the outcomes that they're trying to achieve on the platform. 
Hey, this is Dave. I'm the producer, CEO, and founder of the Boston Podcast Network, pod617.com. We're a proud supporter of Hey Found It. I hope you're enjoying the show as much as the dudes did recording it here in our Westwood studios. Now, if you would like your own podcast, we'd love to work with you. Go to pod617.com to get started. You can record here in our Westwood Mass studios or anywhere around the globe using a remote microphone that we will send out to you. We'll take care of the whole thing for you. Intro, outro, editing, posting, hosting, the whole deal. Go to pod617.com to get started. The Boston Podcast Network in pod we trust. I don't mean to backpedal, Kevin, but I I might a little bit. So you talked about validating outcomes, it sounds like, before you start validating features. Can you take us through a scenario where you were able to validate an outcome with users and then you iterated and tested different features and eventually arrived at the right one? Yeah, so we at the at the beginning we had something that felt and looked a lot more like like a website kind of link tree type thing and that was based on feedback and now we've shifted a lot from that and it's very much more this CRM as the core um but the outcome then was people were trying to find a way to kind of build up their email list and what we started to do was okay we were like okay we'll create this link page looking thing and maybe people can drive traffic there and then they can collect email mm-hmm. um and that ultimately was the outcome that they wanted but how we started building that it actually took a, a lot longer to build what we have now that's the simple email collection part because we were first trying to build a pretty page that people people wanted it to look like them and they wanted it to fit their brand. And then people also wanted some information on there. And then people also wanted to be able to do like a bunch of things when ultimately the thing was they didn't have emails. They didn't have a way to have that direct channel to their, their audience and be able to re-engage them, retarget them, and at least start building a profile around who are the people engaging with them. So the focus and why we weren't very differentiated early on was we were building something that looked like a lot of other products that also addressed that kind of email collection bit. But once we honed in on that and made it more of that tool to do that, now the the sell is easy for getting people into the product. For fans, it's a frictionless way to enter into the community. And that was something that through a lot of iteration, we focused on like what was actually the core thing that they wanted out of that um, page and made that and optimized for that. Great. Um, so we don't we don't have too much time left, but I would like to ask you, uh, what is something you're learning from users today? Today, we're mostly focused on habit building. And what we're learning is uh, and what our questions are focused on is what can we understand about people to get them to come to the platform daily and weekly Mm -hmm. so versus early on it's like what is just useful and what would make you well we can in steps first is what what was useful what would make you use this product what is wow about this that would make you tell someone else about it so starting to build some virality into it and and getting referrals and now it's habit building weekly active usage daily active usage what would get you to come back often what triggers can we create to make you come just use the platform more and make it more sticky Mm -hmm. and a lot of our conversations are about those things that bring users back and what we can continue to build into the product to um, make it seamlessly integrate into their workflows but also become more of a habit around the things that they're doing so that 
is the main focus of user conversations today. So what you're saying is the conversation doesn't stop, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the the initial conversations help you get a sense of where to focus and who to talk to. And then after that, the conversations are about what are they trying to achieve? And then you get better at talking to the people that you should be talking to and then get a better sense of what their goals are. And then the next conversations I, I think are about how do we actually build this? And those are not asking them, but going and iterating, building some stuff and then getting feedback to make that better. And then as you go on, the conversations are about how do we like get that more of a habit? How do we build something that's something that's a little stickier? And how do we get people to come back more often? And that's a problem that even big companies are still trying to solve so or still care about. And you'll see them send you surveys. They don't do it as the, the way smaller companies do. But the product market fit, stickiness, and people just using your product more and more becomes the goal. And then all of your conversations become about that going forward. Great. On your final question, so a little bit more open-ended. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about your team? What's the vision of Rivet and what's your trajectory right now? Where do you see this going? Yeah, so the vision is to create the infrastructure for anyone who's creative and has a community to be able to build a business. And right now we're focused on music and right now I have a couple podcasters that use the platform, um, some other influencers on other social platforms. So being able to do that for just anyone who's creative. Um, right now it's me, my co-founder, who I met at MIT as well, um, super smart and her master's is in machine learning. So bringing those elements into the product and making it more intelligent is kind of where the product is focused right now and also in integrations that we're working on. And then our founding engineer also is from MIT. And then we also have a designer because we found early on through conversations that a lot of, at least for the space that we're building in, design was very important. And a lot of the hurdles that we couldn't get over were just because fundamentally we were engineers trying to build something that looked nice and we were failing at that. So now we have... Uh, more focus on that and now we're we're bringing on a couple more engineers to continue to build out the product and launch out of beta in the next few months and um, continue to grow users on the platform so artists and content creators helping them build their businesses around their communities kevin's really nice at the ukulele do you think um we could get him on rivet come through come through (laughs) we could do a jam session (laughs) awesome well i'm i'm really excited to see where rivet goes i think you had a lot of insights into how to talk to users so i really appreciate it do you want to let people know where they can find you where they can find your contact information learn more about your your business yeah absolutely it's rivetapp.co.com rivetapp.co and uh to reach out to us it's party at rivetapp.co because it's always a party Uh, and then if you hit me up i can tell you everything else Nice. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is Hey Founded, and you can also find us on Instagram. Thank you.